Welcome to the Chuck P TV podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Privatera from Westminster Consulting. In an effort to continue bringing you relevant content during the pandemic of 2020, I have welcomed back my colleague and esteemed guest, uh, Pat Ferrara. Welcome to the show, Pat. Thanks, Chuck. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are uh, just, you? We're finally, hopefully, some, some positive light at the end of the tunnel with the, just, with the COVID-19. <laughs> just when we're all starting to get used to our circumstances. Huh? Well, well, let's, let's, not, let's not get too unused to them because right. they, they, they may be with us for a while longer. Yeah. Maybe, it, maybe permanently, the positive stuff at least, maybe permanently. It sure seems like it. It seems like, you know, we'll hopefully start to see ourselves getting some more freedoms, but also um, maybe dialing some things back a little bit. And uh, it'll be interesting. It's going to be well, an interesting, yeah, interesting I mean, summer. Yeah, it certainly has given us more options. Right. So, For sure. You know, we we have at least two options now, home and office, <laughs> whereas before we may have only had one option. So that, right. that at, least, at least adds another option. Sure. So yep. Good. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad I love the topic that we're going to be covering today. It's something that I know you're very close to um, and, and something that's a nice follow up to an article you wrote in our latest edition of Confero that Westminster Consulting puts out quarterly. Um, so we're going to be talking today about coaching and mentoring. And why don't you why don't you uh, why don't you start off by just giving us a little bit of a, um, a baseline sort of the the. the the underlying differences between coaching and mentoring and maybe touch on a couple of things that came up in the article that you wrote for the magazine. Sure. Sure. I'd love to do that. Yeah. They, these are two topics. These are two areas very near and dear to my heart. And I would imagine very near and dear to the listeners hearts as well as they, you know, as they figure in very powerfully into personal and, and organizational development. Um, I think that uh, as I look back on my own career, both um, informal and formal coaches and mentors have made significant difference in the trajectory of my career. And you know, as a result, I've, I've now taken it on as, as my own next chapter, uh, part of my life, at least the executive coaching part. And it's, uh, it's certainly very near and dear to my heart, as you point out. I, I think fundamentally, mentoring and coaching have more similarities than differences. Uh, and I say that because having done both internally in an organization, the skills that a coach may use can certainly be used by a very good mentor. And certainly a coach should know what those skills are so that she can avoid using them when she's coaching, because those are the, the skills that should not enter into a coaching um, arrangement. So let, let me give you an example. When I think of mentoring and coaching, I think in terms of, of nouns and verbs. So in, very simplistically, mentoring is about guiding and advising and modeling and, and sharing. You know, it, it's, it's action verb oriented or maybe intransitive verb oriented. I'm not, I'm not a linguist, but certainly <laughs> it's verb oriented, right? It's very, it's very active. Right? Mentoring is very active, whereas coaching is more reflective. You know, so I think of coaching in terms of nouns, introspection, reflection, challenge, encouragement. So the key difference, I think the underlying difference between mentoring and coaching uh, 
with there are other things as well, and we can talk about them. Really, it's how the mentor or the coach goes about working with the mentee, the coachee, the client, whatever you want to call the other side of that conversation. So that, those are the key underlying differences. I'd like to think of, for the purpose of our, our conversation today, how mentoring and coaching both are very powerful development tools for an organization that some organizations are very good at using, but most organizations, for many reasons, cost, uh, staffing, whatever, uh, haven't used enough in the development of their teams, in the development of their leaders. And what I'd like to talk today about, if, if we have the time, is how we can, from in a very cost-effective way, introduce both of them internally so that they do become extra tools as we develop our talent. Great. And that's, um, that's a good segue into what kind of the new normal is or, you know, in the circumstances that we're living in now, sort of what changes or what uh, adaptions or, or what does coaching and mentoring look like in, in sort of the, the era of the pandemic of 2020? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's another terrific question. And certainly it's something that I, I think if there are coaches listening out, out there, and I hope there are, this is a, a wonderful time for coaches in that it opens up the whole world to your coaching business, to your, your, you know, your coaching practice. Uh, people are much more comfortable now. People always were comfortable, but it's become more evident, I think, using the technology that we have, whether it be, and I don't want, this is not a pitch for them, but a Zoom or a Skype or whatever. Um, and as a result, as a coach, and I'm, and I'm an executive coach, I, I, I make somewhat of a living doing that. Um, I now have the whole world, at least the whole world that speaks my language, at my disposal as I, as I practice. Um, so in that respect, from a coaching perspective, if there are coaches out there, this really opens up the rest of the world, the rest of the country, the rest of the Northeast, wherever your practice is, to your, to your practice. Uh, from an organizational perspective, because more and more people are becoming comfortable using these tools, it allows you to introduce coaching and mentoring in, in an environment that doesn't require group settings, right? So, you know, I know what's going to happen as we return to work. It's going to be less and less of a desire to sit in rooms with other people. Uh, there's there's <laughs> right. a little bit of concern, right? So yeah. you can do what we're talking about right now in the same way as you and I are doing it right now. Uh, you can coach, you can mentor, whether it be through a, a video chat, whether it just be telephonically. So this particular virus, this particular situation we're going through only opens up the possibility of using mentoring and coaching to even greater degree than we've used it before. That, uh, that sort of brings me into my, my next, uh, the next area I want to discuss. And we've talked about other sort of functions of HR or initiatives of human resources that may, that may be at risk right now because of the, uh, the resources that the, the pandemic is uh, consuming. So what are the risks that are involved with um, sort of abandoning coaching and mentoring or you know, leadership development in general during this crisis? Yeah, that's, that's a, a big challenge for all leadership, not just HR leadership, especially as 
as I'm sure is already happening, uh, budgets are being looked at and expenses are being are being looked at even more than they were before. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that certainly is a challenge. But but I think and, and, and I submit that mentoring and coaching have a very low financial threshold internally in an organization. And I say this from my own personal experience because I've done both of those internally, both um, establish a mentor, couple of mentor programs internal in my last company. And also in, although I didn't establish a formal coaching program internally, I did internal coaching myself when I, when I was there as an HR executive. And I say a low economic threshold, a financial threshold or expense threshold. Now let's start with mentoring. Mentoring, you don't have to look very far for mentors in an organization. All you need to do is stand up from your desk, look out over, your, over the floor, and you see plenty of folks there who could mentor. And there's no cost involved there except time. The, the, the startup of an internal mentor program there really is no cost. I mean, there's time, obviously. There's, there's, there's activity. There are people who need to do it. Uh, HR staffs certainly um, can do that. Sometimes they're, they're maxed out. They don't have the bandwidth for it. But there's the rest of the company. I mean, this isn't an HR product. This is a company product. There's an organizational product. There's the rest of the company that really is filling that role when it comes to mentoring. Starting up a mentoring program internally is is an, an easier process than one would think. And from a cost perspective, there really is no cost except the executive's time, the, the mentor's time, and the mentee's time. Coaching is a little bit more involved. There's a little bit more upfront work that has to be done. Certainly, if you want to have trained coaches, you need to pay to get them trained. But that's a one-time cost, an upfront cost. And then you have an internal coaching program that can sustain itself. So you don't have to worry about budgets and you don't have to worry about expense expenses being cut you have the trained coaches you have the experienced mentors and those programs can run themselves once you get the momentum going so from a from an establishment standpoint they're not they are let me rephrase this they are they are somewhat time consuming to establish but once they're established they really become part of the culture of the organization and i want to stress the culture part because if anyone has interviewed anyone coming into their workforce, if they haven't been asked, um, I'd be stunned about the opportunity for mentors in the organization. Um, I would say that they aren't listening closely enough as they're interviewing. There aren't too many people coming right. into the workforce today who aren't asking about formal mentor programs. It enhances the culture. It enhances the employee values of that organization just to have them in place. So as I think about mentoring, I just think about experiences I've had in the past and with many different mentors, but in one case uh, where the mentor program just kind of petered off, there was no formal organization around it. And I got to imagine, and I know what I felt at the time, that that's not a good message to send. Um, So tell me what are, what kind of resources do uh, do the learning and development or the HR folks have uh, available to them to be able to make sure they set up a mentoring program that there's follow through that the mentors and the mentees stay in touch and, and that it's um, that it sustained. Yeah, that's 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 a great point. Sustainability means so much. Um, all too often we establish programs and companies and then we they just die on the vine. Uh, 
Um, and, and that almost is, is as bad as not having them at all. The sustain, mm-hmm. sustainability, and, and I'm speaking to HR professionals out there, sustainability has to be beyond the HR department. Uh, we all know as HR professionals, those of us who have, have sat in those seats, that HR should be there to assist the enterprise in establishing programs. They should not be establishing them themselves for many reasons. Um, part, the biggest reason, of course, is just resources. HR teams don't have the resources to maintain and sustain. But once these are being maintained and sustained by the enterprise itself, so by the executives who are running it, the executive sponsors, they have a tendency to continue independent of HR's oversight, which is very powerful. Uh, it, may, it may sound like I'm I'm dissing the the HR departments, but I'm not. You know, HR should be there to help establish and then step out of the way and let them run themselves. That's where they get the most street cred, and that's where they tend to sustain themselves. Um, and that's from a mentoring perspective. Coaching, there's a little bit more of an involvement, especially if you're using <laughs> external coaches in, in the practice. Then you do need to have at least a central control, and usually that's through your HR department. Um, but I would, I would submit to you that the best mix of coaching should be internal and external so that, again, they, it, it sustains itself. And I'll also point out, Chuck, that because mentoring is, is becoming so popular, and it should be in, in so many organizations, there are a number of external mentor programs that, um, you know, that a firm can just purchase so that employees themselves can go online and pick a mentor. So there's no involvement at all by the company except paying, paying the cost of establishing this external program. They're very powerful. They're very, they're very um, useful. It doesn't take any internal work in that case because it's using mentors externally uh, from other firms, from other, other industries, and therefore it doesn't involve anything other than cost. Of course, that, you know, that can always be cut if, if, if cost becomes an issue. So it's a little bit more expensive than running your internal mentor program, but it does become more sustainable. So along that line, thinking about how, and this is, applies more to mentoring, thinking about a mentorship program, what kind of uh, things do we have to worry about in, as HR folks or for our HR folks listening, when it comes to how do we team mentors with mentees up? I mean, are there diversity issues? Are there culture issues? And do we allow, how do, how do, how do we allow those relationships to yeah, form? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge and a very important challenge. I, I think, and that's great. It's a great point you're making. You know, mentoring should be used to further diversity initiatives, obviously, not, not to, not to hinder them. Um, and, mm-hmm. and certainly maybe, you know, 20 years ago or more, uh, mentor programs were, you know, for lack of a better term, old boy networks, where it was, I got the CEO as my mentor, and there's my, my meal ticket. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. I honestly do think there's less of that now um, in industries, at least from my perspective. Um, I think I think the best way, or at least the way that we did it in, in the firm that I was working for before I, I moved on to on my own business was to have the mentees themselves, that is the person who's being mentored, actually select their mentor and, and making sure that your mentor was not doing this only because he or she wanted to pick, handpick someone to groom for some position. 
So in, in that right. case, the person picking the mentor really has control over the system, right? Over the process. Uh, that's the first mm-hmm. step, identifying, and maybe even before that, the step before that is identifying the right people in the organization to be mentors. And that's not always the C-suite people, right? Your, your, mentors, your mentors can be found throughout the whole organization. And I, would, and I would suggest that when you look for mentors in an organization, um, consider re-engagement. There are people in your organization who have been there for a while, have been very successful, very talented, they need a reason to re-engage as well. Not just engagement is not just about about the newer people coming into the organization. It's taking those people who have been in longer and having them find a new purpose. Those folks are out there. Those folks are very inexpensive in that you're not paying them to do anything other than their jobs. Those are the people who should be enlisted as mentors if they certainly want to do it and it, and if they fit what your description is of the qualifications. And then they become a very good pool that these mentees can select from. A diverse pool of mentors then gives those mentees a very diverse selection. Um, and then the, the other part, of course, where HR comes in is it is important to educate both the mentors and the mentees, however you want to do that up front, as to what the purpose of the program is, what the outcomes of the program are, and, and how to best utilize the program. So there is some education that goes on at least to start up the program. So that, that's, that's how I would hope to um, introduce or at least oversee the, the issue of, of inclusion and diversity as you roll these programs out. Sure. And as, uh, again, a good segue, when, when you're talking about providing some purpose for, for mentors, uh, let's talk for a second about the concept of reverse mentoring, because there's there's a little even more than just purpose for a mentor to uh, to this relationship. Uh, they, they could they could benefit from some some knowledge from from some of their mentees. Oh, absolutely. Correct? I, I mean, I've been a mentor, um, and I will tell you, I was I was pretty senior and older in the organization, and and I mm-hmm. got maybe as much as out of the relationships that I had as as my mentees did. Um, you know, mentors, they, for, well, let, let's talk about what mentors get out of the program. They get, in some many cases, self-fulfillment, right? They get a revitalized interest in their workplace. Uh, some of them, I include myself amongst those, want to leave a legacy, and, and this gives them personal satisfaction. And, and they also get recognition in the organization as developers of talent. But the other thing they get is they get an opportunity to have People with different ideas, usually newer ideas, I'm going to use this term only because I don't have to worry about HR coming down on me, younger ideas, right, Uh, (laughs) and and newer ideas. Mm -hmm. And they get now an opportunity to see what another generation is doing and and how they learn and, and how they react. And, and how they speak, what, what tools they use. So I, in order, if, if you have a hard time recruiting mentors, I would just use that as, as the carrot. Uh, you now can learn so mm-hmm. much more in a very safe and confidential environment from people who are actually the ones you should be learning it from. Um, I, I mentored you know, plenty of baby, uh, I'm sorry, plenty of um, uh, millennials and I learned a lot of things from them. You know, hopefully they learned from me as well. But I know I went into the relationship wanting to be mentored by them on things that I needed to learn more about. 
uh, and and I succeeded in many cases. And I hope that they also got something out of the relationship with me as well. But it is a very powerful reverse. In fact, when we rolled the program out in my old company, we actually said that this is both a mentor, mentee and reverse mentoring relationship. And a lot of mentors went in there uh, into the program looking to get that out of the uh, out of the experience. So great, great point, Chuck. So I got to I got to imagine that the cornerstone and this is probably even more so with coaching of this relationship has to be trust. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just wondering how that why don't you just talk about yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when, when you roll out a mentor program, uh, there are certain guidelines, um, certainly that you are going to instill both in the mentors and the mentees. Confidentiality is, from a mentoring perspective, confidentiality is the number one guideline, right? Because me- mentoring is, is, it's really about, you know, here I am and, and I'm in this role and, and, and you're my mentee and you want to know how I got into this role and what I should be doing and who I should be meeting and, and open doors for me, because that's really what a mentor is doing, is helping is helping align the individual um, with the organization's culture, uh, helping the individual, usually it's a younger person, usually it's a newer person, if not younger, newer to the organization, who needs to learn, the, you know, the, the, the doors, you know, the, the places to go to get information, the places to go to learn about new opportunities. Uh, that's what you're doing as a mentor, but you can only do that in a confidential setting. So there's a lot of discussion and, and education around the confidentiality when you roll out a mentor program, which is another reason why it's good for HR to stay as far as far away from it as possible. <laughs> right. Um, because HR is often unfairly, I think, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased, looked at as the organization that you least want to trust when, when it comes to confidentiality, I think that's you know more of a Dilbert um, you know, result of Dilbert, <laughs> right. but it's this what we're living with. So the less HR is involved, sometimes the more comfortable people are with getting into that relationship. But you're right; it's not just a mentor issue; it's an issue also for coaching. Obviously, uh, I think it's a little easier though with coaching because coaches, at least up to this point, tend to be external to the organization. So, and which is one reason why coaching, external coaches are much more, at this point, used much more than internal coaches, because there is sort of that, you know, that there's that wall. Internally, it's a little bit more difficult for people to get comfortable sharing and and getting into this very confidential conversation. Um, That said, I've, I've experienced tremendous amount of, of great conversations, even as an HR person with my mentee and, and others who are in HR who have been mentors have as well. So it's a challenge. It's certainly uh, a challenge to be addressed, but it, it can be very successful once you get beyond that. Boy, we've really uh, touched on a couple of well, great before, points on, here. Before we and go, the I import- have a question for you. You've, uh, you've had a successful career. Can you think of a mentor or a coach in your career that you'd like to um, to speak about or give a shout out about? Oh, wow. So that's a great question. And, you know, it's interesting. And it wasn't, I do have one person that I can think of. And I'll even use his name. His name's Mike Desenzo. And it, it, we didn't have a formal uh, coaching mentor relationship. And, it, and I, there was never even an informal one. He was 
he was the guy who actually um, recruited me at, at, to work for the company I worked for before Westminster. And um, one of the one of the reasons I mentioned trust is the way Mike and my relationship with Mike started was in the interviewing process. He he kind of set forth what what things were going to look like in the beginning, and he said, "I'm going to ask you to do a certain." certain things every week. And, and I'm going to promise you that if you do them, you're going to be successful. And, uh, and he said, and, and, and if you don't, it'll be on me. And so that immediately gave me a level of trust with Mike that was very difficult to, to unseen. And, um, and he was right. And I followed his advice early on in my career at Gallagher and was successful quickly, which at, at Gallagher, that was, um, that was important. And so, uh, so from then on, he became, he was, he was a functional leader. So, so he wasn't necessarily my, my quote unquote boss, but he became a, a real mentor to me. And I was able to talk to him about things personal and uh, about, you know, just, I went to him for uh, advice that, all the time and I still do. That's a terrific story. That's a terrific collection. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you said something there, you said you were able yeah. to, to, do things quickly. And I think that's the key to mentoring. It allows newer people in an organization to come up to speed a lot more quickly. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's such a, uh, an invaluable tool for an organization to retain a person and to get them up to speed quickly. Yeah. And then that, that's, and that's where, you know, that's where the, the trust and the, and absolutely the benefit for me working with Mike was, and certainly for, for him too, to, to have someone, to have a, a new hire come on and be successful. And here you are quickly, still so. talking about him. So, so that, yeah, right. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, I appreciate that question. And that's a little uh, twist for the Chuck PTV <laughs> podcast. And on that note, uh, it's a beautiful uh, spring day here. So we should both get out and enjoy, but Pat, as always, just a pleasure to have you on the show. And I certainly these, look forward to our great topics. And thank you for inviting me on. Okay, take care. You bet. Bye-bye. Okay, take care.